Like I didn't understand the logistics of things. And so I needed someone to actually bring it down for me, but also someone that I can talk to or or see that I could empathize with running a 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 minute mile, you know what I mean? So for me, my why transitioned heavily when I got into distance running to being what I did not see. Being what I didn't see when I started to get into the distance world of running because I'm pretty sure there's thousands of other me's that is looking for what I was looking for when I started my distance journey. And because of that, I wanted to be that. Welcome to For The Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspects of running and what helps people to achieve success, however they define it. And this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Jumpstart your running goals in 2023 with Microcosm Coaching. We're in it for the long run. Through breakthroughs, setbacks, and plateaus, your coach will guide you through the ups and downs in an athletic life. Whether you're running your first 5K or 10th 100 miler, Microcosm Coaching has personalized training that will help you reach your goals. My friends Zoe, TJ, and the whole crew over at Microcosm Coaching believe in the power of support through community, offering a multidisciplinary team of coaches with expertise in nutrition, mental health, and performance that will help you sustain your love for running long-term. I've chosen to work with them as a sponsor of the podcast because they're amazing humans, and I've seen so many of their athletes thrive under their guidance. Microcosm Coaching offers individualized training plans and accountability through daily feedback. Your Microcosm Coach will hold you accountable to your running potential. Find out more at microcosm-coaching.com and let them know I sent you. I have a super important question for you. Are you giving your body the nutrients it needs to help bolster and protect your immune system? How do you know? Friends, I'm here to help you eliminate the guesswork with two products that have had a huge impact on keeping me healthy and strong during my training and races that I strongly encourage you to try. Prevenex Probiotic and Prevenex Immune Health Plus are powerhouse products that can help you perform at your best and keep you healthy, especially as we move into a season where bugs that can take you down are everywhere. Use code FTLR for 15% off your purchase at Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. We are psyched to announce a new partner of the podcast, Lauren Daniels. Lauren is a realtor helping buyers and sellers in the greater Denver and Boulder area and beyond, and has been a good friend of mine for a few years now. When I decided I wanted to buy a place in Boulder and put down roots here, I was completely overwhelmed by the home buying process. Lauren was already a good friend, so when we first talked about home buying, I felt a huge sense of relief. She's a neighborhood expert, has an incredible attention to detail, available for any and all questions, and made what could be a very difficult process super easy. And now we've got a beautiful home in Boulder. It's close to the trails with a big backyard for Alfie and views of the Flatirons. So if you're even considering buying a home in the area or anywhere, I highly recommend working with Lauren. You can reach her at ldaniels at milehighmodern.com and let her know we sent you. That's ldaniels at milehighmodern.com. Thanks so much to Lauren for supporting the podcast and helping us continue to grow and for all those miles together. Welcome back. I have India Cook joining me from Atlanta, Georgia. India, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Of course. So the first question on this podcast is always a tough one. Uh, Who is India? 
Mm. That's a loaded question because it can be answered (laughs) (laughs) in so many different ways. Um, But I am a a runner, a black woman. Um, I am a daughter, a fiance, a what I consider a advocate for all races, paces, sizes of runners and athletes. Um, I am a podcast host, a YouTube running YouTube blogger. Um, I am a race announcer. I am a um, running coach and uh, a marathoner. So just a couple of things. <laughs> You're doing it all. Yes. Doing a lot of things. <laughs> Very cool. Um, it's it's cool to hear people who are pursuing their passions, both in and out of the sport. So you're doing it with your own two feet, um, but also you're helping other people do it. And then you have the announcing of the podcasting, um, which lends to the question, uh, when, when did you start running? So I started running in 2008. Um, it was on the quest. Then it was on the quest to manage my weight. Um, I was previously a a semi-pro cheerleader at one point in my life. And once that sport kind of went, I decided to conclude that chapter. Um, I needed to do something to not only continue to help me to connect with community, but also to kind of manage that area of weight management for me. And also it was something that running was at the time, something that was like a very good mental release for me. Um, and so I started that in 2008 and I picked up on doing the Peachtree Road Race was my very first race, which is a 10K here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I do that race every single year and I have every single year since 2008, but I didn't get into distance running until about 2014, meaning half marathons, marathons until about 2014. Um, of course, between 2008 and 2014, I did all of the 5Ks and 10Ks that you can probably think of. And of course, I needed a new challenge. So I decided to get into distance running, which has kind of afforded me to where I am now. What was that leap like? Easy. (laughs) And I don't, well, I shouldn't say easy. It was, first of all, with a 10K being my very first race, it was very, it's very different than a traditional person that would do a 5K as their first race. But the reason why I immediately said easy is because I was surrounded by amazing people, amazing community and a community of runners that are marathoners and half marathoners. Um, And I think when you surround yourself around individuals that are doing it and you see that it can be done, it makes the transition a little bit easier. Now, was it easy as far as getting on the pavement and actually doing it? I will say no, because I never thought that I would be in this place or even call myself a marathoner. But in the respects of saying, okay, I'm going to do this and having the support around me, it was definitely there. I call it positive peer pressure. So that's where it was easy. <laughs> totally. Isn't it wild how just like normalizing some behavior enables it to like feel accessible, right? So like I live in exactly. Boulder and like many people around me run a hundred miles and it's just like mm-hmm. normal to run a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. If you had told me this 10 years ago, I would have said you're nuts. And right. I, can't even, <laughs> I don't even want to drive that far. That's how far exactly. it took to drive to college, like all this stuff. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. and then you just start doing it and it's, it, it just, it becomes, it becomes accessible. Just what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got into running, you did a 10 K as your first, a peach tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's high on my bucket list. It looks like such Please a, do it. Definitely such a do it. fun, such a fun atmosphere. And then it you got is. into half marathons and, and marathons. What was that first? Um, 
I want to ask about the finish line, but what was the first starting line like of that marathon? The starting line was... What was going through your head? So I was... My first marathon was in Chicago, 2017. And I'm thinking back right now because I've never had that question asked to me. It was a really good one. But I think at that moment, it was nerves. It was you are about to embark on something that you have never done before. And the lucky part about it is that my first marathon, I was... I had a partner at a time um, who I'm not with now, but a partner at a time that ran and trained that marathon with me. So my first marathon was fully trained with a, a big level of support with someone that has done several marathons. So I feel like I had that extra crutch there for me on that first marathon. So I know that I remember at the starting line feeling joy, feeling excited. My dad flew out from Texas to Chicago. I had my three best friends with me. Um, so it was more so get to them, enjoy this journey, and you got this because you trained for this. So it was very much so a exciting thing, but it also was a little bit of nerve wracking because I had heard all of the stories about getting your name in the newspaper. And in order for you to get your name in the newspaper, you had to run a 630 or, or faster. And I knew that even though I had been training I was a little concerned about reaching that time limit, but I also felt like it was the biggest accomplishment for me to be able to have my name in the newspaper for my first marathon. So I think for me, my first marathon was very time focused. It was very, you got to get under that 630 so you can get into it. And I honestly don't think I um, enjoyed the course as much because I was so focused on that. And did you, did you hit it? I did not. I did not. I was a couple of minutes off. Um, on my first marathon, I ended up having a, what I never knew was there until mile eight, but I ha had an IT band injury that flared up. So I had this sharp pain in the right side of my knee that I never knew what it was. And it wasn't until I went to a therapist and everything after it, was like, yeah, you have your IT band is flared and it never flared during training. And it did not do anything until mile eight of the marathon. And I hobbled my way to the finish line. So it was not the best first marathon experience, but of course I went back the next year for redemption. So, <laughs> so what, why did you do it again? It was the ego in me. The ego in me said that that was not what you're physically capable of. Um, so I went back, um, my life had changed. I, I trained solo and it was one of those things where I knew that I was going to be not only running the race independently, I trained independently. So for me, I'm a little bit of a grit girl. Like I'm all about, okay, how can you get through this and proving myself that I am strong, that I am a strong runner and that I am a strong woman. And so being able to do that marathon, first of all, training independently, whereas before I was doing a lot of training groups, but I trained, did most of my long runs independently and then running the race independently and PRing well over 20 minutes um, for the race was just a huge accomplishment for me. So I think that I was honestly, when I say redemption, it literally was you're going out here and you're about to crush it because your first go round was not up to your full potential. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we're going to fast forward a few years. You just okay. finished the New York City Marathon. Mm. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of discussion on Twitter after the marathon where the coverage this year was better than it's been. And you could see people finishing in the dark. There have been people finishing in the dark for years. And a lot of people were curious to hear from people who 
you know, finished in the dark after the course was officially closed. And, you know, I know Ali Feller was out there until 1130 at night, which is super uh-huh. cool to see a very long day for everyone involved. And I've had a lot of conversations with, um, with a lot of people on this topic. Um, Peter Bromka, most notably for his, um, attempt of an OTQ and which is in the low, you know, high two teens for a marathon, which is, I, I can't fathom that as well. Mm, it's like my half uh, marathon time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's so crazy. And, and so his point was speed doesn't make you interesting. Um, mm. He's like, I'm much more interested in the people that are chasing cutoffs than the people that are chasing the OTQ because mm. they're doing it for entirely different reasons. And it's usually intrinsically motivated in that mm-hmm. there's like something in you that like you want to get the best of so I don't want to put words in your mouth I'm curious um what are your thoughts on on a statement like that and and how do you how do you respond to that so I will say I have a couple different thoughts that have gone through my mind through you just saying that first of all thank you to you and that young man for even establishing that thought or just even feeling like we or the back of the pack runners are a lot more interested or I want to say more interesting, but we have a story to tell as well, which is, which is so true. Um, I will say this is a sidebar, but I will say a big part of the reason why I do all of the things that I do is because of that statement that you just said. I feel like there's several people that interview elite. There's several people that do all of these things and not saying that they're any less or any lesser of a person, but there's so many other stories. Um, I will also preface this by saying I definitely this New York City Marathon, I think I was more so just chasing getting to the finish line. Um, I don't think I thought about it as more of chasing the cutoff because I knew that New York City was a pace friendly and back of the pack friendly race. Um, It is a race that they definitely keep the finish line up. They want you to, you know, be able to cross and do that. So I think for me going into the race, I did have that in the back of my mind. Now, if you want to compare how I felt with New York City 2022 to maybe my 2018 marathon, it was very two different it was two different places because I'm a totally different person and a totally different runner going into it. Um, but I think ultimately it is accepting that regardless on how long it takes you to travel the distance of 26.2 miles, you are still amazing. You are still an awesome person and an awesome individual. Um, I think for me, my grit, my determination, knowing that I am a different person than the last time that I ran a marathon and knowing that I am closing a chapter in my life, I'm getting married in March. And I felt like this was the last moment, the last marathon I'll be signing up for with my last name. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's just something that pushes me um, and pushes me and, and allows me to appreciate that. But also to know that it is very difficult to get into the New York City Marathon. And I was afforded the opportunity to run this marathon. Um, And for me, it was one of those things that was, I feel like I was blessed to be able to get this spot. And I wanted to be able to show people that regardless of the time that you finish, now, did I expect to finish in over seven hours? No, I didn't. But at the end of the day, I got to the finish line. And that is what allowed me to not give up. I could have said, I'm going home 
well before I got to halfway mark. Um, but I knew that my biggest goal was not time related before I stepped on the starting line. And that was to get to the finish line. What I find so fascinating about running and endurance sports is the ability to contextualize the process, no matter what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends here in Boulder that are professional athletes and mm -hmm. they are so much faster than I am, but they can see the work that I'm doing and they can see the, the consistency. And to them, that's like, that's success to them. That's what they're trying to do on a regular basis. And then mm -hmm. if you've flip to the other end, like it's the same thing. Like you're doing the same thing as everyone else. And I think what's, what's lost between like the front of the pack, the middle of the pack and the back of the pack, is it like, you have to do it. Like there's right. no, it doesn't <laughs> matter how fast you're going. Mm -hmm. Right. It, mm -hmm. it still takes, it still takes, that's what's cool about marathons. Anyone can run a marathon, I think. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're, we're catching these stories that, um, happen between the the start and the finish line. So I'm curious as someone that spent, you know, the day out there mm -hmm. in New York, what do you wish people knew? <laughs> I just did my, uh, my YouTube recap on this and I, I got emotional about a moment and I want to share it with you because I, this is a piece of what I wish people knew. The amount of time when you're, when you're doing a marathon, I would say five hours and beyond, it's a lot on your body. It is physically a lot on your body. And not to say that running a two-hour, three-hour marathon is not, you know, et cetera. It's 26.2 miles, 26.2. But to be on your feet, time on your feet is a lot more and it causes more of a toll. I think I wish that people knew how much support the back of the pack needs. Um, I found and was a little frustrated by the lack thereof of some of the support that I know that is traditionally there in when it's not six, seven o'clock in the evening, that was gone. Um, and that is when we needed it. Um, I, I wish that people knew how much it takes to keep pushing your body, knowing that there's two people out there versus 200. Um, how much it takes to continue to push, how much it takes to know that I got up at six o'clock in the morning and started my journey to the finish line. And it took me three hours to get, excuse me, to the starting line. It took me three hours to get to the starting line. And before I even started my day, people were done with the race. So how that mentally takes a toll and then to see it being dark how, outside. How does that, <laughs> how does that mentally take a toll? Like what, how do you rectify that where you're crossing the starting line, knowing that people are finishing and, and you've got an adventure ahead of you. And right. I, I say the word adventure. I think a lot of people use it in um, the way that they describe like what happens between the start and finish line. Mm -hmm. I'm curious your, your perspective or your thoughts on like, okay, I'm going to be out there and people are already, people are already done. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the reason I ask, the reason I ask all these questions is because, ones, <laughs> thank you. Um, mm -hmm. because I think that there's, there's a chance to learn from people who do hard things. And the harder the thing is, the more the why is important. And mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people are forced to explore their why. And a lot of people are gifted physically. I don't think I am. And I'm just gifted at like gritting <laughs> and being consistent. And that's mm -hmm. why I can do what I do. And so 
for a lot of people who, you know, maybe they were athletes in college or whatever, and they just like roll into doing athletic things. It doesn't Uh come hard and it doesn't, they don't have to think about the, like, what are you going to think about when things get hard? What are you going to think about when, when people are already done and you're, you still have, you know, five to X many more hours out there. So I want to, I want to use these types of discussions as a way to learn and Mm -hmm. have the people who are listening take from your message, what, what pushes you? So, um, I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) It's okay. So I think for me, for me, it always is, I have to remember my why. Right. And so I feel like when you're out there so much longer, you have so many more things to think about and so many more moments to get into a negative headspace. Right. Like you have so much more time (laughs) to get into a negative headspace. And so I think for me, it is remembering my why and whether that why changes throughout your six hours, seven hours of being out on the course then that, and then your why changes. So for me, it was being able to understand that I understand the system of road racing is not where it needs to be. And it, there is some growth that could be had, meaning the fact that runners don't start until 1130, I didn't start until 1130 and people started at 830 and literally have been home. They've had, they're at these parties and gatherings and I'm just now starting my day, but also people knowing that I was going to be out there for well, much longer. But I think for me, instead of putting into a negative, I have to say, okay, but you're afforded to, you get to, and you're going to show people that you can still make it regardless of the time. So I think for me, it is transitioning what could be so negative into a positive, but also understanding that that is a bias that I feel like the way that the system of road racing is set up is, is, not the best. Like I understand bridges have to be closed off. Like I know the logistics. I know plenty, I have plenty of friends that are race directors. So I know the logistics of things, but I think that the grit that people have to have that are definitely in the back of the pack is, is very much different. And I think that in New York, when I knew that there was a possibility that the sun would go down on me, but of course with daylight saving time, the sun was going down a lot earlier than your traditional sun going down. So for me, it was, okay, India, don't think about the fact that you've been moving your body since six o'clock this morning, and now it is six o'clock at night, and you're still on this journey. Think about what you have already conquered and how far you've already gotten, not technically how much further you have to go. Um, I think when it comes to me and road racing, it definitely is, especially on my distance races, I always have to stay in the moment of the mile that I'm in and appreciate how far I've come. Because if I think about, oh my goodness, now it's dark outside and you still have 10 more miles or six more miles or whatever it is, it puts me in a space of defeating myself. Like, can I actually do it? So I will tell you, it is definitely mind games that you have to play or I have to play mile by mile to keep pushing me and keep getting me to that finish line. If you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today, can you do me a favor? Can you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? It helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too. Thanks so much. I'm super proud to partner with Microcosm Coaching as the show's newest sponsor. What I love about their style is that it's coaching the human who runs, not the runner who humans. I've done a handful of group runs with their crew and I'm good friends with several of their coaches and dietitians. Jumpstart your running goals in 2023 with Microcosm Coaching. They support and empower athletes of all abilities and backgrounds. 
Microcosm Coaching offers community-centered training with a multidisciplinary team of coaches and athletes all over the world. Their team will help you celebrate the highs and work through the lows in an athletic life and sustain your love for running long-term. Microcosm Coaching will hold you accountable to your athletic potential with an evidence-backed, individualized training plan and daily check-ins. They have the support and resources you need to define your values and reach your goals. Find out more at microcosm-coaching.com and let them know I sent you. I got to talk about this last season of training for a second. So while training for a CIM, I've hit the highest weekly mileage I've ever hit and highest monthly mileage I've ever hit. What's really cool about that is I feel awesome. I feel like I can just keep running and running and running. And I also have the energy for everything else in life. I haven't gotten sick, even despite those around me getting sick, not even the sniffles for me. And I obviously can't pin this on a single thing, but I've been really diligent about taking Prevanex's Immune Health Plus and Probiotic incredibly diligently. I've been taking that every single day since March and it's helping. So I encourage you to check it out and use code FTLR at checkout for 15% off at Prevanex.com. Is it a good market to buy a home in? What about to sell a home? What even goes on in the housing market? How do you even keep track? Well, good news for you. You don't have to know all the answers if you're interested in buying or selling your home because you can just work with the best realtor around, Lauren Daniels. Whether you're thinking of buying or selling your home, Lauren is your go-to. She treats every client with care and helps make what could be a very scary process, dare I say, fun. Lauren helps you get organized and stay on top of important deadlines and guides you towards the right home for you instead of pushing you towards something that doesn't feel right. Even if you're not ready yet or you're not in the Denver or Boulder area, We highly recommend following Lauren on Instagram because she's always sharing great information about the housing market. Give her a follow at lauren.in.colorado on Instagram. And if you're already ready to start the conversation, give her a shout at ldaniels at milehighmodern.com and let her know we sent you. That's ldaniels at milehighmodern.com. So you said that the why is a constantly evolving thing, even even on race day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful tool when you when you know there's a little bit more in terms of the reason that you're doing something or the mm-hmm. you talked about you know wanting to do it with your last name one more time and uh, being proud of that being proud of that accomplishment and. The reason I started this podcast is exploring the why. The tagline is literally like exploring the why mm-hmm. behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. And it's it's been really fun. I'm like 250 episodes in hearing the different stories around why people do what they do. And so much of it is so similar, right? Like we all look different. We all come from different places. We all have different shoes, unless you're running in the alpha flies, in which case everyone has the same shoes. Um, <laughs> but, but the why is, is the, the uniting aspect that we want to get the most out of ourselves. We want to, we want to be proud. We want to enjoy the process. We want to do this. We want to do that. At what point did you start focusing on um, this aspect of running, meaning the mental side versus um, just the the physical aspect of it. Um, so I think that soon after I started running, um, so 
I, for full-time work, I work in human resources, but that is a new career journey for me over the last three years. Um, Prior to that, I worked in mental health um, and I worked in a psychiatric hospital for several years. And during the time when I first started running, it was literally my outlet. But then I learned that, and what I say outlet is I would release the day onto, you know, the pavement per se, quote unquote. Um, I don't like personally like the phrase running is my therapy because I, I have a very big um, therapy is therapy for therapists. Therapy is therapy. You know what I mean? And some people use running as an outlet. However, actually having a therapist has so a totally different volume of release for you. But that's another soapbox that we can talk about. We should get on that soapbox but. afterwards, but yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I just say that to say, I feel like at that, even when I started running, it was, I think, a little bit more mental than it was physical. And once I started connecting with individuals in the different communities, I learned that it was also my social aspect. It was what gave me my outlet to communicate and to be connected with people. But as I started to dive into the area of distance running, I was looking for podcasts and YouTube videos and all of these things. And unfortunately, I did not find find outlets that were of people or or curated by people that look like me or that were a slower pace or that, you know, you can find elite stuff all day. Right. But I don't at that point, I didn't understand what a PR was, what an OTQ was, what a you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't understand what a tempo run. Like, I didn't understand the logistics of things. And so I needed someone to actually bring it down for me, but also someone that I can talk to or or see that I could empathize with running a 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 minute mile. You know what I mean? So for me, my why transitioned heavily when I got into distance running to being what I did not see. Being what I didn't see when I started to get into the distance world of running, because I'm pretty sure there's thousands of other me's that is looking for what I was looking for when I started my distance journey. And because of that, I wanted to be that. Running can be very, can can give you a sense of elitist. It can give you a sense of um, that you have to be fast, that you have to run the whole time, that you have to um, take and walk breaks. You're not really a runner. Oh, you jog and you don't run. Like there's so many different things that are out there. And unfortunately, social media is great, but it also can be very negative. But I just think that we just have to figure out at what point is it for you, for someone else, or is it all of the above? So I think my whys have continued. And I feel like every time I do a run, every time I do a race, depending upon where I am in life, my why continues to shift. But I know that being what I did not see when I started my journey has ultimately been the overarching theme. Wow. I love that. Um, I'm halfway through <laughs> Alison Desir's book, Running While Black. And, yes. Uh, uh-huh, I have it right here. <laughs> obviously incredibly eye-opening to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I recommend everyone who's listening to this, particularly if you're white and particularly if you're a guy, to read the book mm-hmm. and really think about, really think about it. And like, mm-hmm. I, I got into running through a group called November Project. And thinking yeah, back, it was like all people who looked like me for the most part. I mean, some were a little taller, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> like it's it's so it's so interesting that like this this conversation has always been there. And I love this platform because like we can have this discussion and then get a bunch of people to listen to your story or go read Allison's book or mm-hmm. like open up to different 
opportunities. The conversation with Allison was mostly centered around the the pace consideration, um, let alone the mm-hmm. demographic aspect of it, where she said, she was like, mm-hmm. look, I love the Olympics, but <laughs> not everyone's going to the Olympics. And let's not center mm-hmm. a culture around um, going to the Olympics. And what's been really cool right. about 2022 and 2023 and 2024 is that I believe the amateur or the, I don't want to say average person, the non-elite person's story is more relatable than ever. And it's so Uh relatable that brands are voting with their dollars and working with influencers, ambassadors, podcast hosts, who Uh people can relate to, whether they have a family or they're you know, whatever it is that makes them unique, that like there's a shift away from like speed doesn't sell shoes anymore. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I, I love it because um, as someone who's involved in this creator space and interested in sharing cool stories, like I'm learning more and more that the people who aren't out there winning or going to the Olympics are the ones with the most interesting stories, which isn't to say that people who are fast are boring. That's certainly not the case. Um, I've become good friends with people like Gwen Jorgensen and like I run with her all the time and I learn, I learn from her every time I go on a run with her. And, um, but that's not the, that's like the exception to the rule. Right. Uh Uh Um, and so what is it, what does it feel like for you? I had the same conversation with, um, or similar conversation with Raj Paul Panu, um, an, an Indian American, uh, runner who runs crazy distances on the roads, <laughs> just crazy. Anyway, um, he's like, I want my community to see me on the start line and know that they can, they can be out there too. Mm-hmm. So your why has evolved to being the person there for someone to see themselves in. What does it feel like when that happens for you when, you know, if someone reaches out and they're like, Oh, I saw your podcast or I saw you out there running and I'm going to do it too. And, and for those who are not watching this on, on video, which you can now do so on YouTube, um, India is, is beaming. There's a huge smile, uh, (laughs) coming across her face. So I'm super curious to hear what, what her answer is here. Um, so I am still in awe. I am still in shock. I think for me, Again, if you would have told me I would be in this space, even back to 2014 when I first started distance running, I would have told you no way. Like I just, I definitely consider myself just an everyday runner that enjoys running. And I just like to share my story. (laughs) Like that is just kind of how I see myself. So I will tell you when I was in New York and I was watching the 5K, the Abbott's Dash 5K I saw a listener of my podcast and she was like, hey, I know this is weird, but I listened to your podcast. And I was like, oh, and it is still very it's it's it feels good in my heart. And what I say, it feels good in my heart. It 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 keeps me going. There are times where I want to just stop doing it all. Right. Just because life lives and I get busy and I'm just like, I just can't take on it all anymore. But it's those moments that someone says hello. It's those moments where someone messaged me and says, you inspired me to keep going, or I want to now sign up for a 10K because I've been doing 5Ks for so long, or a good message that comes across. It's those moments, honestly, that tells me 
India, what you're doing, keep doing it. Because I, I never had a number that I wanted to influence or inspire or be an advocate for. Even if it was one person, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it fills my heart. It makes me feel really good. Um, and honestly, on those moments where I do want to give up, sometimes I look at those screenshots. I screenshot all the good messages and yeah. the bad ones too, but the good messages <laughs> that people send me or that I get. And I, I have an archive of those that I go back and I look at those and say, India, this is why you're doing what you're doing. But it still is very surreal. I'm actually, I'm probably when people approach me or say something to me, I'm smiling and beaming on the outside, but then the inside, that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, is is going on. Um, I do very well with hiding um, my anxious feelings or just uncomfortable feelings, but it's an it's an uncomfortable thing because sometimes I, I question is is this did I really do this? Like, have I really developed these people that want to follow me, that look at me, that look up to what I do? Um, and, you know, there are times even regardless of your back of the pack or not, like you're like, am I worthy of this spotlight? You know? And so for me, it's always a humbling moment. It's an appreciative moment. And I soak it all up and I just kind of hold those moments near and dear to my heart. So if you're listening to this podcast uh, because you follow India on social media or you listen to her podcast, um, send her a note about why about why you appreciate the content she's putting out because it truly like that's the lifeblood of of mm-hmm. doing this. Um, my the last conversation I ever had with my grandfather was basically talking about the meaning of life or the like why are we here. And his takeaway was, uh, we're here to leave the world in a better place than where we entered it. So he was a very wise man. You're, you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so kudos to you for, for doing that. It's, um, if only there were more, if only that were the majority, <laughs> right. uh, but all we can control, as you said, if it's one person, uh, it's a world entire. So definitely, um, definitely. And yeah, it's, thanks it's for- one of those things where you have to, I'm sorry to cut you out. It's one of those things where you, for me, it's about that legacy. And like, cause I think some people, what will people say about you when you're no longer doing or when you're no longer here? And I feel like for me, I'm working in a space that is my passion, which I haven't learned until I didn't learn until some years ago that this was my passion, but I am confident that if something were to happen and God forbid that doesn't anytime soon, but if it does, I'm confident that I can at least have put a smile or encourage at least one to 10 people out in this community to keep going and to do amazing things. I imagine it's way more than one to 10 people. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Just a few more. Um, (laughs) Talking about your, your podcast, what's, what's your podcast all about? Where can we find it? Um, What's what's your goal with the podcast or is it everything you've been saying where it's, you know, being actually, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why? Yes. So my podcast is the Run Duo podcast and we can be found on majority of the the major podcasting platforms. So your Spotify, your Apple, all of those. Um, it is myself and a co-host, Tommy Mitchell, and we started the podcast in hopes to connect with what we consider your amateur, your everyday runners that are more than likely not making money from this. They may be running a race or two, but I mean, winning a race or two, but they're not necessarily pros, uh, but communicating with them and showing 
and telling their story, more very similar to your podcast. We definitely feel like there is enough of elite podcasts out there that focus on the stats, that focus on the the OTQs and the Olympics and all of that. And while we do talk about those things because we are runners and we're very big, like elite heads, like we keep up with them. Um, (laughs) um, We do mention it, but we are very big on telling the stories of people that deserve their story to be told that are not getting the recognition. So I feel like you can Google probably each elite person and they've been on a thousand podcasts and there's still people that may not be winning the Olympics or, qualifying for the trials, but they are still doing amazing things and in the process of being awesome people. So our biggest thing is to be able to highlight those voices and highlight those stories and allow people to diversify their their palette of who they listen to um, in the running community because your traditional elite runner is not the average of what's out here running these road races. It's only a very small percentage of those. Um, and so we definitely focus on that. We, like I said, we do get a little bit into stats. We'll talk about times a little bit, but we don't get heavy into it. It's more like it's myself. Tommy is a father and, you know, how he trains for a marathon and being a dad. Like, what's the realness of being a runner? We talk about our personal stories. We talk about our journeys and we talk about what it looks like to be training for things and just kind of continuing to be runners in this community while also juggling being great. So... What are your favorite things you've learned from your podcast? We have to stop assuming people's story. I think there's a lot of assumptions that are put out when you see someone on social media, when you see someone's time, pace, where they're from, but you don't know until you have the conversation. And I've also learned heavily that someone's story can tell you so much about them, but we have to listen and don't interrupt their process of explaining, like everyone's story is very unique to them. How they feel about their story is very unique to them. And how they feel their story impacted them to get them where they are today is very unique to them. But the more that we share, the more that we can open the eyes and diversify the running community in general, because everyone that steps on our podcast, on your podcast, they're all great, regardless of what status they're in. I love that. Yeah. Everyone has such a unique story Mm -hmm. and why why ignore or not highlight all of them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's super cool. Um, Thank you. Did you know anything about podcasting before you before you started it? Not the technical side of podcasting. So my co-host Tommy Mitchell, he had his own podcast, and so he was all into the tech piece of things. Um, and at that time, I was doing some videoing, so I was doing the video piece of. I, I recorded my transition with my, or the lead up or the training block of my 2017 and 2018 marathon. But at that time I was only on Facebook. So I took some time off from that and he connected with me and was like, Hey, do you want to do this podcast? I know you're not doing your vlogging anymore. Do you want to do podcasts? And at that moment, it literally was technically, I don't want to do the technical side of things, but I got you with all the content, <laughs> the <laughs> content, yep. and I got you, I got you for the people that we can interview. Um, and so we just kind of made a deal, but so the technical piece of things, no, but I did listen to podcasts. I'm huge Ali on the run, um, podcast listener and uh, several other running podcasts that I absolutely love. So yes, I do listen to, I did listen to them before becoming a, a podcast host. Cool. Yeah, it's been fun to see what Allie's done with her podcasting and race announcing. Yeah, it was. That's why it was so special for her to 
say my name across the finish line in New York. <laughs> what was that like? Right. Cause does everyone get their name announced? No. So that, that, so that's the biggest deal for it, for me. So I, because I, I have um, started race announcing as well. And I know that it's very difficult to announce every person's name, especially if people are coming in, in blocks. Like if they're coming in crowds at a time, coming across the finish line, it's hard. Um, You're either, I don't know how Allie gets her names, but one of the big races that I just did, we had like a, um, a handheld a tablet in my hand and the names populate up. And so sometimes you just can't name all of them. So right before the race, I knew that she was being the podcast. I'm excuse me. She was being the race announcer. And she mentioned to me, she was like, India, you know, we can't guarantee that I can call everyone's name. And then she also mentioned that she had different shifts that she was announcing because um, she can't be out there all day knowing that she was going to be out there late in the night. She for needs the, to the, fuel the with some finishes. electrolytes right. and gel along the fuel. way. <laughs> and one of those so shiwis sure. so she can. <laughs> exactly. So I knew that she was taking a break at a particular time. So I didn't expect to get my name called. Um, but I also knew that she she expressed on her podcast, her uh, New York City preparation podcast, that she sits up in a block like a uh, it's like a box and not on the ground with the, where the actual finish line is. And so in my mind, I didn't think about it, but as I got closer to the finish, I was probably like the 800 meter mark. They had speakers out on the course to where you could hear what was going on at the finish line and whoever was on the mic. And I heard her voice and I was like, Oh my goodness, it's Allie. So I picked up my pace a little bit. I had a little bit more energy. So I picked up my pace a little bit and I crossed the finish line. And as all I hear is, And we have India Cook from Atlanta, Georgia. And it was Allie. And it was one of those moments where it was, I was already in tears because I crossed the finish line. But to have her to say my name was a big deal. And I didn't expect to see her. But I looked up into the sky thinking that it was one of the boxes. And I said, thanks, Allie. But kind of to myself, like in a way of, I appreciate you. I hear you. Thank you for calling my name. And she turned around. She actually was on the ground at the finish line. And she turned around and was like, yeah, you did. And she, I just fell into her arms and just cried because I had never met Ali Feller in person. She and I have communicated with race announcing. I've been on interviewed on her podcast and we've been in contact several times over the years, but to finally meet her in that moment in the flesh and her to call my name was a huge deal. Um, and then I also connected with another friend, Erica from New York Road Runners, which is great to see her. So being at the finish line of a very adventurous day and for that to happen was a huge moment. And then she actually gave me my medal as well. So Allie gave me my medal. She put it around my neck and it was just, it was kind of that, I what I put in my caption on social media, it was that big bow that kind of wrapped the New York City Marathon experience up into me. You know, it just kind of like solidified it, put a stamp of approval on it. Like, yes, I was out there for several hours. Yes, there were some cheer stations and groups that may have been out there that were no longer out there while I was out there. Yes, they were tearing down portions of the course. You know, yes, there were no more cups for people. We had, I was blessed to have a handheld water bottle to where they could refill my handheld but cups were run out and the course was being taken up and things of that nature. But aside from all of those things, it was still a very good experience for me. I love that. I saw those photos on Instagram. I was like, wow, that is super cool. That's how we Mm -hmm. originally connected. I don't know how I came across those finishing photos, but um, finish lines, but just like the best place on earth. The best place. To someone who's listening, and 
they're nodding their head along and they're like, wow, that sounds awesome. I really want to be a part of this community. I really want to have that feeling of someone putting a medal on my neck and, you know, bawling my eyes out of the finish line because I can't believe what I just did kind of a vibe. But they're, they're like nervous or they're maybe they, they don't have a community around them to support them. What, what's your guidance to that person? I will first say it starts with you. When I first started running, I couldn't even mail to, run to the mailbox and literally down the street to the mailbox to the stop sign. And I always tell people to start small and you will get there. Every person that has crossed a marathon finish line had to start where you are right now, <laughs> regardless of how long ago that was, or if that was the, the last 16 weeks of their marathon training block, they went from couch to marathon, whatever that situation was, everyone has to start somewhere. I can probably guarantee you that everyone that is a current runner is, is probably having the same feelings that you have right now, but it's always about starting somewhere. Go ahead and think about what your current why is. Now, is it going to be easy? No. But once you get over that hump of it feeling not so great, meaning we all know that our lungs hurt, our legs are itching, whatever it is when you first start running, it's a difficult process. But once you get over that, it's definitely worth the time. I think once you build the confidence of making it to whatever the mailbox, to the start, to the stop sign up the road, to the tree that's up two blocks up the road, Start small, gradually increase, know that you're doing it for you and the community piece will come. And what I mean by that is as you gain the confidence in yourself that you can do it, that you can continue to go further, you would then grow the confidence to be able to connect with others to obtain that support. And that may take a couple months, that may take a couple years. Some people never get into the community aspect of running and they just do it independently. So don't think that you have to be that. Um, and I think that that's the thing too, Unmarry yourself from what it looks like on social media because everyone's journey is very different and what it looks like for everyone is very different. But know that if there's a place that you want to be, that you can get there, take small steps, set goals for yourself and appreciate yourself along every journey and cheer for yourself along the journey. Even though running is very individual as far as doing it yourself, it still can be a very team and community driven activity. Um, but at the end of the day, it's your two feet, your two legs, or whatever it is that you're using to get to the finish line that gets you there. And the accomplishment of getting to the finish line is so much better. And I will tell you every finish line that you cross, whether it be a 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra, you're never the same person that started at the starting line. I love that. Uh, I love your words. This has been so fun. Uh, I'm going to have to tune into your podcast because um, <laughs> I feel like we all have a lot to learn from you and the questions that that you'd be asking your guests. So um, thank you so much for, for taking some time to chat today. Congratulations on your finish. Many thank more you. ahead, hopefully. Yes. Uh, and we'll see you out there. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Of course. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo is created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 